everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story, and in this edition, our 50th, we have two. We'll be talking about the original Smokey and the Bandit movie. You know, the one with Burt Reynolds and the car associated with that movie that will go up for auction at the upcoming Barrett-Jackson event in Scottsdale, Arizona. And you'll get to hear a message from the Bandit himself, Burt Reynolds. But first... Ray Everham, a former race car driver, former NASCAR crew chief, is keeping busy nowadays being a broadcaster. NBC uh, Sports, I do the NASCAR uh, analysts for, for them. So NBC Sports, um, Velocity, we do Americana, and we also do Barrett-Jackson. So uh, between trying to run a shop and be a dad, um, staying pretty busy. <laughs> You having fun with this whole broadcasting thing? I love it. I really do. Uh, I love the television. Um, and, and find out that I like uh, as much behind the camera as I do in front of the camera. I really like writing uh, the shows, the stories, hunting up the cars, and, and f- meeting the people. You know, we only get to 22 minutes to do an episode, but you, we could just go on for hours. We meet incredible people, and I think I enjoy that as much as being in front of the camera. You know, I've seen your show, um, big fan of it. And, and but the thing that's interesting is you not only get into the cars, but there's some real interesting personality profiles you do. Well, that's the really the fun of it. You know, the car, the 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 car seems to fit people's personality. And with our show, it's important that we do education, emotion, and entertainment. And that emotion comes from a lot of the people that we we meet. And you find uh, we really do try and take people back to a time when the car was a much bigger part of of your life than just transportation and for many of us it was you know, a lot of our best memories came about with cars friendships that we built we've had cars uh, we we've got a car coming up on season 3 the Bob Keith dragster that was really restored by all the guys who worked on it in 1964 so pretty amazing deal to bring all these guys back together in honor of the driver who who unfortunately passed away but it uh, the stories are really, really amazing, and it's just funny how people can be so emotional about a machine. We'd like to go back to find out how you got to where you are now from where you started. When you were growing up, uh, was it a scenario that the folks had really hot cars? Uh, is that where you kind of got your interest? Was it an uncle who you know, put, drove you around uh, without a seatbelt really fast? Well, where did your interest in cars start? I wish I could answer that. I have no idea because I don't ever remember not having it. I remember my first memories as a as a kid were just playing with these cars and plastic little cars and taking the wheels off them. There was a thing called a Marksa cart. It was a little electric like a pedal cart deal. I think it had a little electric motor on it or whatever, but it had plastic wheels on it. I know that. And I drove it and drove it and drove it until the plastic wheels broke. And then I cried because I couldn't drive it anymore. And I just, I honestly don't remember. My dad uh, was an auto mechanic, but he rode uh, and raced motorcycles. Uh, he also, you know, he, he was a great athlete, my dad, football, baseball, everything. So the car, you know, I was fortunate enough to be raised around a group of people that appreciated cars. My, I did have an uncle that took me to the dirt track races so I could see the midgets and modifieds. Uh, growing up around a, a bunch of uncles who were 10 years older than I, and I can remember those guys standing around the barrel, you know, the fire barrel, you know, with the, one of them had a 50 Merc, the other one had a 58 Chevy, you, you know, just talking talking about their cars and guys would would gather and I and I just loved it. I I, I didn't um 
I ever I never wanted to be anything like most kids want to be a mailman or a fireman or an astronaut or a pilot. Not me. It was always going to be about cars. Matchbox guy or Hot Wheels guy? Oh boy, both. As much as I could absolutely have. I know I've I've had both. Uh, you know, the one thing that I did probably more than the Matchbox and Hot Wheels was models. Man, built the old monograms and AMTs and all the models I had probably hundreds of models that's all i ever wanted for birthdays and christmas and stuff like that did you ever build them stock or did you always have because the amts used to have three and one remember that oh yeah you could build different versions of the kit so you know you always put your your touch on them i tried to build them stock but what's really cool you you know you could spray paint them you could do different things and then we got into making taking motors out of one and putting in the other and i remember you know you get the little we weren't supposed to be doing this but the, the little take the cigarette lighter and put the dents and stuff in them yeah yeah, you know. <laughs> when you were getting older, what was your first car? My very first car on the street was a 1965 Malibu SS with a 396 in it, and uh, I, I I sold that car and have regretted it ever since. So we recently built a uh, a version of it, a little bit different than it, but uh, you know the we we found a, a 1965 Malibu SS body, painted it like that car. We put all, uh, you know, upgraded Detroit speed suspension on it, new aluminum 427 and stuff in it, air conditioning and all that, great brakes, but uh, I've missed that car since the day I sold it. You remember the commercial that the guy, uh, kids, found his 65 Chevy Impala and they brought it back somehow years and years later and somehow he was reunited with it? Did you ever consider trying to find that Malibu? I did, and and you know we we took the information that we could find. Um, I didn't have VIN numbers and and all those things. We went. I, we tried to track insurance that gar and really, uh, the state of New Jersey and uh, our insurance company just didn't have the record. So unfortunately, I think it probably met with a demise somewhere uh, along the way. You've been interviewed enough, and, and this is an interesting story. I think you will you will kind of appreciate because uh, on this show, I got John Force one day. And we were talking for an extended period of time. And one of the questions, I asked him a very simple question. What was your first car? And he told me, well, wait a minute. He told me. My first car was a 54 Chevy. Four-door, I hated it. We (laughs) cut off the rear door handles to make it look like a two-door. Had a six-cylinder motor, three-speed on the column. Of course, I put a big old General Motors Cadillac in it with six carburetors and a B&M Hydro, and, and I ruined a perfectly good car. We do the interview. We post it on our podcast, which that year was on SoundCloud.com. I come home. I turn your show on, and you ask him a simple question. What was your first car? I had a 60 Ford I bought used off a car lot, six-cylinder, three-speed on the column. First thing I did was pull that motor out. I put a big Ford Interceptor motor, which had in the police cars in those early days back in the 60s. And four speed on the floor, and my dad hated it. He was not a racer. He wanted no, he, everything was make a living and, and feed yourself. But we cruised Harvey's Broiler, a famous place in those days, Tweedy Boulevard, and we drag raced. He told me it was a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, he's something else. You know, you gotta love, uh, you gotta love John. And when you say you ask him a simple question, you know, with me, I only have a 22-minute show, so when I ask him a question, we just stand back and let him roll. But you know, I, I love John Force, but he told me it was a Ford, and and uh, 
I don't remember him saying 53 Chevy. Now, imagine the look on my face when he's telling you to your face that it's a 60 or 61 Ford something, and he's going on and on and on. And I kept, I kept thinking, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's, that can't be true. He's t-. And I, you know, I looked at that, and I thought, later, he had gone, I don't know, when you talked to him, was he still sponsored by Ford? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I'm doing. So, okay, you know, that, the one thing John is really great at is representing his sponsors. So he had made the, the uh, switch from, uh, from Ford to Chevy about there. You know, so I guess with John and Mabel, you just call it, Amer- Mabel was just an American Motors product he had. <laughs> and, I, and I must say, for the people that are listening to the podcast, when I told you, what he told me, you you really were at a surprise. You know, really, I could take it back. Surprise expression on your face. Yeah, you know, I remember that uh, that show. That was a show we we had John in there, and uh, we also had Don Prudhomme. And that's the one great thing about Americana, getting to spend time with guys like that that are willing to share the stories. You when you hear things firsthand from the people that actually did them, it's really amazing. And uh, and John. Uh, and Don, and just about any, anybody that we've we've invited on has been very gracious. But uh, that was a special show for us having both those guys on. Tell me a little bit about when you look back, and you've had several, I would imagine, several cars in your garage that you, for some reason, you had either got rid of, you sold, whatever. Is there a car that you no longer have that you go, man, I wish I didn't sell it? Well, going back to that 65 Malibu SS, you know, that one. And then I had a, I had a really nice Camaro SSRS. But I had to sell those things when I went racing to buy a truck to tow my race car to the racetrack because you couldn't be kind of tough towing it behind a, a Camaro. So, um, again, we built a, a, an updated version of the Malibu, and maybe someday we'll build the build a Camaro. But once I started racing at uh, 18, it was years before I actually had a, a car for the street because I always had to have a truck to tow with. Tell me a little bit about the cars you have now. Oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble now. That some of the cars I have now, um, I'm I'm going to look at you and say, look, I'm I'm uh, I'm ashamed to say, uh, I'm a caraholic. Uh, I've got, uh, and I counted them on the way here because I knew somebody was going to ask. I've got close to a hundred cars, um, several several uh, race cars, uh, classic cars, uh, and hot rods, vintage uh, hot rods. Some um, a car that I've been in love with for 42 years the 1958 chevy impala from american graffiti i was able to purchase the real car and we're looking uh, forward to doing that so i've got some really uh, incredible race cars that belong to mario andretti uh, uh dan gurney aj foyt how great is that though the 58 chevy impala from american graffiti how did you find it well, I've known where it was. The same man bought it. The, the man I bought it from bought it from George Lucas uh, Films in 1972, right after the film was completed. And he's held, he's had it all these years. And it, uh, I, I've, I've talked to him a couple times. I've known about the car. We actually did a, a little piece on it on Americana. It was going up for auction. It was well out of my reach. It didn't get to the numbers I don't think that they wanted. Uh, and we were able to come to uh, an agreement. Because, and it is just a car that... Uh, that I've been in love with since I saw that movie in 1973, and I can remember walking to the movie theater probably half a dozen times to watch that uh, movie. I've probably watched the movie 50 more times since then at, at home, and that that's a car that uh, I've dreamt of owning since I was 15 years old. And as a guy who's been involved in cars as long as you, you have to appreciate the history of that one-year Chevrolet and, and how it came to be and why it was only a one-year Chevrolet. 
Yeah, and, and you know, there's just something about the look of the 58 Chevy. As I said, my uncle had one, and that scoop on the back of it, his had a 327 in it. And, you know, I, I thought, man, I, I've got to have that car. And I've just, for some reason, uh, just just that's been that, that white elephant for me. And we were we were able to acquire it, and uh, it's uh, it it's one of those things in life you can get. Man, okay, there's there's one for the bucket list right there. Well, I guess I can erase the question: What car out there that you've always wanted that you haven't gotten yet, or you really want? I think that probably is it. Oh yeah, by far that that's it. What what, what was really cool <laughs> is that they got it, and then of course today I saw another one. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, was it uh, white and the whole thing? No, 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 no. It, it, I, I love that old Bonneville look. You know, the '33 Ford coupe with the chopped Bonneville look, the narrow tires on it, and uh, love it. And I've got uh, I've got an Arden ready to, to to go into something like that when we can find the right body to build a car around. Hundred cars spread over how many buildings? Yeah, do, you, do you keep it at friends' houses? Do you what, where, where do you keep a hundred cars? Uh, well, Ray Everham Enterprises, where you know we um, we've got some offices there, and and shoot Americana, but it's a, actually it's a forty-five thousand square foot building, and it's it's uh, it's filled with cars, and we actually have them racked in certain areas. So we've got uh, some offices up front and uh, a little production area for the show, and we've got a nice shop. Uh, got some guys in there that that work on cars and, and do things for me, and then the rest is all storage, and that's where those cars are parked. Do you miss the racing? Do you miss, you know, the the crew chiefing, all that stuff? I miss the crew chiefing when it comes to race day. I don't miss all the other stuff that that goes with it. You know, to be a crew chief, that's got to be 100% of your focus, and you've, you sacrifice a lot of other things in life. When I did that, you know, you're on the road 200-plus days a year. You're working seven days a week. So it, it's tough. I certainly don't envy those guys. I miss uh, I miss calling the race. Being on the radio, doing the strategy on Sunday, missed that, but not enough to go back to, to work in uh, 80, 100 hours a week. Tell me about how you made the transition because it's interesting to, for people to listen. You, you're in one aspect of the business, automotive, uh, building, racing, and you make the transition to broadcasting. How did that happen for you? Well, in, uh, it started in, in 2000 when I took a, a year to build the Dodge program. I left the Jeff Gordon's team uh, with and Rick Hendrick and, and went to build a Dodge program. And we didn't uh, have Dodges ready. We weren't going to run till 2001. So the people at ABC asked me to come in and do some wide world of sports and, and whatnot. And I did stuff for ABC, ESPN, and liked it. So I went on uh, and, and uh, raced and had some success as a car owner and then sold the team in 2007 and went back uh, to ESPN. At that time, they had NASCAR. So had a blast doing the ESPN stuff and always wanted to do a show about cars. So got with the people at Velocity and pitched them this deal, kind of warm out, then, uh, and said, well, I'm going to produce it anyway, and you know, and, and if you like it, you know, we'll, we'll get it on. And uh, they've been good enough to believe in the show, um, Bob Scanlon and all the folks over there. And, you know, I, I just I, – I like it. So this year we did. Uh, NBC asked me if I'd help uh, help them a little bit, and and we did. So hopefully we can continue. I'd like to grow Americana more, and 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 really retire from NASCAR. I've retired from NASCAR like three times. So <laughs> I, I'd like to make that uh, final. Well, when you say grow Americana more, uh, different aspect, different angles on the stories. How would you like to see it uh, develop? I'd like to see uh, uh, do more shows. You know, we certainly want to do more shows and become a bigger part of Velocity Network. Uh, you know, and maybe be able to do some digital stuff, some stuff behind the scenes. We've got some really cool footage. It's hard to show a lot of the stories that we do, you know, the actual building of the cars and 
and we, we shoot and shoot and shoot and we you know we, we put out 22 minutes of really good stuff but there's a lot of stuff that uh, doesn't make it into the show that I think people would find interesting. Ray Abraham joining us here on Talking About Cars. I remember what Jay Leno did. Jay Leno started putting stuff out on the internet of Jay Leno's garage. Now he's doing his show on um, CNBC and it's different but it promoted the fact that he has the ability to do this show. Television has changed. It's gone from ABC, the three networks, four networks, to cable, and now it's branching out digitally and all that. How is it to deal with something like that when you're planning where your broadcasts are going to go? Uh, you know, we keep an eye on those things. I've got a good relationship with the Velocity people, so I, you know, I, I trust in them. And I also... We, we watch what's happening with a lot of the digital content, and there may be some ways to do some things there that uh, uh, shows don't have to be a certain time frame when you go to the digital space. Was it 22 minutes, 25 minutes, you know, five minutes? It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I think that there's um, – if we're going to reach – the younger generation on cars, which we really need to do to keep the interest up, then we've got to go to where they want to be. And they want to be on their phones, and they want to watch six or seven minutes at a time, or they want to be on their computer. They want to be on demand. They, they you know, they, they, they don't want to watch television at a, at a certain time. And I think we've got to deliver that. And, and if, we, if we want to tell the story of cars and get people interested, we've got to go to where they're at. And that's where people are at right now. To the best of your knowledge, just watching what they do, you've got, uh, you've got a lot of people who are younger and they're looking at cars how do you how do they look at the the cars that we knew growing up i mean are they interested in those or are they interested in others um some are interested in, in the old way but a smaller percentage the bigger percentage are more interested in technology so i think if if you want to impress them you they don't look at the car as much as a social type event as we did you know and it's more transportation you know it's with uh, it's all about function, but I, I think the, the fact that they can customize it and still that there's a lot of technology involved, if, if we show those things, I think that's, an, that's important. Um, I do find that younger people do still appreciate history, though. If you can explain to them, this is why this is important. This is what that this has had uh, on our culture, on our time, that a smaller percentage of them still will be interested. We were at something called The Race of Gentlemen a couple weeks ago. Incredible show in uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, on the beach. 1934 older cars, 1953 older parts. Um, Bobby Green from California and Mel Stoltz from Jersey put it on. And it was thousands of people, hundreds of cars, and, you know, uh, I've got to tell you, that that was a, the under-30 crowd like I haven't seen them. And it was impressive. So I know that they're interested in it. It's just a matter of getting it out there uh, to them. Give me a good story from that event that, that was a little unusual or something that you saw there that just made you go, wow, I didn't know this thing was that popular. Oh, it's a, it, what, what was really popular is we built, well, you, you know, we didn't build a car. We found a car, a 1923 track roadster that was actually raced in California in 49. Ran, it ran last in 1952 in Minnesota at the State Fair. It was raced as a, as a track tee, also raced as a sprint car. Also had run on the dry legs. It's a really cool car. So we thought Race of Gentlemen, that was good, except we put my wife in it. So my wife was a lady who raced in the Race of Gentlemen, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so we went there and, uh, and raced the car on the beach. And and again, shot a, a show about it. How'd she do? She uh, she won all of her rounds, as as a matter of fact. Really? But, uh, come on, hey, you know, I just wonder, you know, we, we osmosis, right? Yeah, we. 
She's married to a guy who knows how to make those things run. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The fun part about it is we had to use all parts that were pre-1953, and we actually found a we, – we built a flathead the old way. We used a Merck – you know, with the stroker crank, we went and found a, a set, a, a, an OEM set of the Denver heads for flathead aluminum heads that bring up the compression ratio, put the twin carburetors on it, and, and really worked hard to do it the, the way that they did it, not using a lot of our new tools and, and whatnot. So it was a lot of fun. Americana host and Barrett Jackson auctions commentator Ray Evernham. Season three of Americana, by the way, will debut on Velocity February 25th. And while Ray is having fun talking about cars, no doubt one of the cars will be talking about at Barrett Jackson is the Bandits Trans Am. Joining me on this edition of Talking About Cars is Julian White from Generation Auto TV. Okay, Julian, how'd you get involved in this? Well, I got involved with it because I'm a Trans Am lover, car lover, car kind of guy. Gosh, we have found one of the five cars that was used to produce and promote the movie Smoking the Bandit. The four cars that were used during production all were crushed. Pontiac wanted them back. They didn't want them on the road. A couple of them were actually wrecked during the filming of the movie. I'm shocked to hear you say that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but there was this fifth one that they, that they kept to the side just to promote the movie. And that car was sat since 1985. Was that the original use for it? Was it yes. a promotional thing? Or did they intend to use it in the movie and just didn't? The intention was always for the promotion of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless the four maybe died during the movie. It's like, hey, bring this guy off the bench and we'll use that one. I don't know. But we, we found the fifth. And, of course, McLaughlin Museum is the owner of the car. And that's who found it. And that's who I represent here through Generation Auto, which is a website where we promote cars. And uh, Rick McLaughlin of McLaughlin Museum He's a Trans Am broker. He's been doing it for 30 years. Fantastic at what he does. And he gets calls all the time. Hey, I've got the car from the movie. Yeah, well, no, you probably don't. But you know, he went to New Jersey and took a look at this car. Upon entering the car, it was, it was like a, a treasure trove, found a certificate from Universal Studios verifying the use of this car to promote the movie. Found a GM dash plaque saying the same thing. Found the script of the movie... Uh, filming locations, all these sorts of things, a press kit. But the real, the real certificate of authenticity, as we'll say, came when he pulled title. And he found the title said Universal Promo Car. And we also found the car was previously titled to the uh, Burt Reynolds Institute for Film and Theater. Was it autographed by anybody we know? Not at the time. I mean, when he found the car, it was not in, in good shape. Bert found the car or the... Uh... Excuse me, uh, McLaughlin Museum. Okay. When they found the car in 2015, after sitting for 30 years, it was not in, in great shape. So it's gone through a complete rotisserie restoration. I mean, this is a 100-point car. It is down to the raised white letter Goodyear tires, just as it was in 1977, including the Pace CB radio, the same one that was used in the car. And, of course, when you talk about celebrity cars, where would you auction off a celebrity car than the company that auctioned off the original Batmobile? That'd be Barrett Jackson and uh, Gary Bennett joining us here on Talking About Cars. And, Gary, you guys love this kind of stuff. Now, Randy, we thrive on this. We, it, is, it is the thing that makes Barrett Jackson what it has become. We're so proud to have this, and I'm looking so forward to being able to sell this incredible icon, and I hope so much that Bert can be there for this and, and be a part of this. I think that'll just be another magic moment 
is uh, Barrett Jackson. And you guys have done so many of those. I mean, you talk about George Barris being there with the Batmobile. I remember years back you had uh, Don Johnson showing up for the Nash Bridges Cuda. You you have a tendency to do a lot of that stuff, and the crowd just goes wild. They do, and 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 it's just incredible what happens. It is like capturing lightning in a bottle, and and it's just so exciting. I, I, I can't even, I can't describe it, but having this car with the documentation and the provenance that it has with it. And if we can get Bert to be there with it, I think I there is no, I would, I, I could not even predict what this car could do and how, how much money it could bring. We're so happy to have it that it's, we did, we did something, we do one car a day on our television broadcast, what we call the timed number. And this car is going to be sold at 4 o'clock live on Discovery on Saturday afternoon at Barrett-Jackson. It's going to be amazing, I promise. Oh, and it's it's drama, you know, Julian. What was it uh, some years ago? And I, I know you remember this, Gary, that John Schneider showed up for the... Um, General Lee. General Lee. And what, he, he got up there and started singing. <laughs> remember that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Randy, Randy I think so I've got an exclusive fun. for you on talking about cars. Okay. Because I can confirm that Mr. Reynolds will be attending Barrett-Jackson for that 4 o'clock time slot when the car goes on the auction block. Hey, hey, Gary. Uh, Julian, that's wonderful news. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. We, hey. we just got confirmation of that, so... And you heard it here first on Talking About Cars. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. And we're really fortunate to have another partner involved, Restore Muscle Car. And they're the, they are our connection to Burt Reynolds. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So you've got a, a great car coming out. And when you take a look at some of the cars, Gary, that, that have been out in the past, uh, it's interesting how the crowd will react. Isn't it true that certain cars will elicit different responses? Absolutely. And, and you never know what that's going to be. Because you don't know who's coming and, and who's actually in the audience, and, and and the Batmobile is a good example of that. I we that was such a wild card. That car could have brought a whole lot less than four point four million dollars. But when it got started, and the next thing you know, there's two guys bidding against this thing <laughs> on this car against one another, and the next and it was just chaos. It was it was it was magic. It really was. From a auctioneer's point of view, that's your dream situation. It was, it, except it was it was actually a nightmare dream in that uh, Spanky Astor was the auctioneer, and when we were doing this, I was standing next to George Barrett, and George was, I was afraid he was going to have a heart attack, and so Spanky <laughs> said, Gary, I've got a problem, and I said, what's the matter? He's going on with these candies, so I've got two bidders on this, and they are literally sitting behind one another in the same section. Well, that is an auctioneer's worst scenario because you need to move from one bidder to another bidder with your eyes in your head so the bidder on the car doesn't think that you're playing some shenanigans or something and chandelier bidding or something like that and these guys were literally one behind the other and finally had to point that out and when they realized what was going on the fellow from ireland decided that at four million dollars let's quit doing this and flip a, a coin and see who gets it and they did. They flipped. And, they did. They flipped a coin. Rick Champagne ended up with the car, and that's that's the rest of the story. It was an amazing thing. Does Rick Champagne like Trans Ams? 
<laughs> we need to get him on the phone. <laughs> Have you made the call? Campaign co- likes cars. Have you made the call, Gary? I promise you, he'll be there. He will be there. Wow. Uh, on January the 30th at 4 p.m., I hope. Absolutely. He'll be there the whole time. You couldn't pry him out of the seat. And, and I remember another one of the two guys going at each other, and, and it just really, really was something you had to watch on Barrett Jackson. I believe it was the old Pontiac, the, uh, the two-seat, that one looked like an old Corvette. Actually, I think what you're referring to is the F-88 Oldsmobile, the okay. gold car. The guy with the Ferrari hat and a fellow named Alan Jones. And the guy got in the car and basically dared the other guy to bid higher, and That's he did. That's exactly wow. right. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. And actually, at one point, I was down on the stage floor with, this, with both of these guys when this was going on. And the one fellow looked at the other fellow and said, you see how long my pants are? And the guy said, yeah. And he said, my pockets are longer than my pants are. And he did it again. And it was just, it, it was crazy. It, it, but it's what happens at Barrett-Jackson. No, you're right, absolutely. And that's what really makes it fun. And, and again, you hope something like that's going to happen. But when you think about it, Gary, isn't this that kind of iconic car, the, the Trans Am? It absolutely is. It, 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 it absolutely is. I, I Actually, to be honest, as neat as the Batmobile is, I relate more to the, the Smokey and the Bandit car than I do the, uh, the Batmobile. I'd rather have it in my own personal collection because of what it means to me. I mean, when, this, when, when Bert was doing those movies, he was the, the highest-paid, most well-known worldwide actor on the planet Earth. He was the guy. And I'm I'm a big fan. I'm looking so forward to the opportunity to meet him. I I'm almost embarrassed to say that, but I am. I get to meet a lot of really neat people, but he's one of the people I'm just. It'll be a dream come true. Let me just say that. Uh, Gary Bennett of uh, Barrett Jackson, uh, Julian White, joining us here on uh, talking about cars as we're talking about the Bandits Trans Am that's going to be going up for auction at uh, Barrett Jackson. Make sure we're talking about the same one, Julian. The, this is actually the one that could have matched the cars in the movie, not the ones because I, I saw Bert was putting together or somebody with Bert was actually rebuilding Trans Ams kind of under his Bandit title. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that, mm-hmm. but there has been some reports that this is the same car that sold at familiar enough Julian's auction, not my sales mm-hmm. auction, but Julian's auction about a year ago that was in Mr. Reynolds' name on title. This is a different car. That car wasn't a correct Bandit SE Trans Am. Um, that car did have a bit of rust issues. This one actually has a direct connection, authenticated, to the movie. Mr. Reynolds has even spoken about that, and you can see a clip of that on our website. In fact, we'll play a little bit of that in a minute. Right. Go good, ahead. good. Um, but this one is fully restored to a 100-point car. I mean, it is, like I mentioned earlier, down to the CB radio antenna and even raised white letter tires that were on the car in 77. It's meticulous. Gary, is there a way to even speculate what kind of money this car will bring? No, it's kind of like the, 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 the Batmobile. And, and it just depends on the audience, the reaction to it, Bert's, Bert's being there. I mean, to me, that's huge. And, and I, I just, who knows? I mean, I've, I've seen, I know people, sounds silly, that a husband and wife, for instance, that she just decided she wanted something like this, and it didn't matter how much it cost. <laughs> and they, they, paid, they, they paid several times what a, the particular car was worth simply because she wanted it. 
and uh, it, you, you just can't make it up when when you come to Barrett Jackson and you you get the, the emotions run so high, the passion is so deep. I mean, it's just it's incredible. And these movie cars, the celebrity makes such a difference, and it's such a wild car. But we'll just figure that out together when it, and when it plays itself out live on our stage. I oh. think that's going to be a magic time. Well, after the recent Powerball, there's a lot of millionaires out there in a few states. We'll have to get them out to spare Jackson. I, I think so. I mean, they got to do something with that money. Yeah. I'll have to put it on a Trans Am. There you go. That'd be fun. Very good. Gary, we look forward to seeing you out there, and I, I think uh, this is going to be great. And uh, good luck, of course, with the uh, big auction. Well, thank you, guys. It's our 45th anniversary, and it's going to be wonderful. And if you want to learn more about the Smokey and the Bandit car, Go to our website, www.barrett-jackson.com. All that information's up there about the Smoking Bandit Trans Am. Gary, before I let you go, uh, any other celebrity cars of note, or is this the biggest one, obviously, but are there any other ones we should watch out for? Well, there are, and, and we have we have a Frank Sinatra car. We have a Farrah Fawcett Corvette that was customized by George Barrett, and, and we have a Steve McQueen pickup and camper that he would use to go incognito to uh, motorcycle and car races, and he'd kind of stay in it. It was his way of camping, I guess. And uh, <laughs> But it's very cool, and these are all documented pieces, but they, they are not comparable to the Smokey and the Bandit TA. Mm-hmm. But oh. they're still special, I guarantee you. And who knows what's going to happen with those cars as well. Absolutely. Julian, you're a veteran of these uh, Barrett Jackson events, I take it. I am. What do you expect to happen on that day? What are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm expecting everybody in the crowd to remember that day when they first saw Smoking the Bandit, because that movie made many of us car people, car guys. And I think they're just going to have so many fond memories of the movie, and seeing that car go up on stage is going to just bring them right back. And they're going to raise that hand up, and they're going to bid on this car. And they're going to have a piece of movie history. As for actor Burt Reynolds, he had this to say about the Bandits Trans Am. Hello, I'm Burt Reynolds, and I know a little bit about Trans Ams. I want to tell you about a very special car that will be sold at the Barrett-Jackson auction in Scottsdale, Arizona this January. When I filmed the movie Smokey and the Bandit in 1977, we used and abused a few Trans Ams. None of them exist today. However, there is one that was used by Universal Pictures to promote the film, and it's been found. This Trans Am has a direct tie to the movie, and that makes it unique. It's had a frame-off restoration by the McLaughlin Museum and retains its originality. The car is a numbers-matching 1977 special edition Bandit Trans Am. It comes with a certificate from Universal Pictures and a plaque from General Motors showing its authenticity. The Trans Am is sponsored by Restore a Muscle Car and the Bandit Run. The vehicle states Universal Promo Car on the title. I invite you to attend the Barrett-Jackson auction in January for a chance to own this piece of movie history. Subscribe to Generation Auto TV for the latest news on this event. Julian says the eventual buyer of the car will not only meet Bert, 
but Bert will sign the glove compartment on the inside and the outside. And the new owner will get a bandit hat and a bandit-style red jacket. Plus, Generation Auto TV is asking you Trans Am fans to give your Trans Am story. Email your story and a picture of your car to GenerationAutoTV at gmail.com. That's GenerationAutoTV at gmail.com. You could win an autographed copy of a book from Burt Reynolds, but enough about me, a memoir. And that'll do it for this week's Talking About Cars. Coming up in our next podcast, we keep that auction theme going with another Barrett-Jackson reporter and all-girls garage co-host, Christy Lee, followed by our Super Bowl show with an update from James Brown. Yep, JB from CBS Sports, definitely a real car guy. In fact, you could uh, hear him on an earlier podcast he did with us on Talking About Cars 6. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. (laughs) 